oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you hide? No, how far I'd scale the valleys if you grace the other side. No, how long have I chased rivers from lowly seas to where they rise? Against the rush of grace descending from the source of its supply. Cause in the highlands and the heartache, you're neither more nor less inclined. Well, I would search and stop at nothing. You're just not that hard to find. On the sunrise To where you sweep The sinner's path And oh how fast Would you come running If just to shadow me Through the night Trace my steps Through all my failure And walk me out The other side For who could dare ascend that valid hill called Calvary But for the one I call Good Shepherd Who like a lamb was slain for me Oh, I will praise you on the mountain Well, I will praise you in the mountains in my way You're the summit where my feet are So I will praise you in the valleys all the same No less God within the shadow No less faithful when the night leads me straight Cause you're the heaven where my heart is In the highlands and the heartache all the same Oh, 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 my 
song of ascent. Oh, oh, oh. From the gravest of our valley come the pastures we call graves. A mighty river flowing upward from a deep but empty grave. Yes, good morning. My name is Jeff Fuller, pastor at Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org. Happy to be with you this first Sunday in April as we look to celebrate Easter on the 17th, and hopefully you can join us then. Also on the 10th, Palm Sunday, we have a special uh, guest musician coming in to lead us in uh, worship, so we look forward to that the next uh, couple weeks of all things uh, going on here at Living Hope Wesleyan Church. I do want to remind you that we are on YouTube, Living Hope Wesleyan Church on YouTube. Uh, Facebook, it is at Hope for Vermont. The Facebook page and uh, Twitter at Hope for Vermont, as well as Instagram as the same as a podcast, Living Hope Wesleyan. If you'd like to uh, join us there again, we'd love to have you. Uh, let's just open in prayer. Jesus, we thank you again that you love us. We thank you that you care. But all that we're going through, and Father, there's certainly enough burdens and concerns that weigh us down, but give us a heart for people. Give us a heart for souls. Give us a heart for those that need that deep cleaning, that deep work, that understanding that they can be made free and alive and healthy in you. We thank you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, and uh, thank you again for joining. Once more, my name is Jeff Fuller, pastor at uh, Living Hope Wesleyan Church, hopeforvermont.org. As we continue uh, this Sunday, there are kids' packs available, 9 o'clock a.m. Uh, at the Crossbrook Middle School as we gather in the cafeteria. We'd love to have you in person there. Connection cards you can uh, complete or email me, pastor at hopefulvermont.org. Just your contact information so that we can uh, get information out to you, especially with the summer schedule and some different events that are taking place. Um, pastor at hopefulvermont.org, or if you're in person, just complete a connection card for us. Well, again, it is the first Sunday in uh, April, and 
And so the memory verse for this Sunday is Luke 24, 6. Luke 24, 6. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. Luke 24, 6. The memory verse for this month. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. So thank you again for uh making time to be a part of our 6.30 a.m. worship gathering. We are going to uh, pray, and as you have requests, simply type those requests in the comment section. Again, you can email me, direct message. There are so many requests. Uh, We did find out my sister-in-law, Jen, who is able to have surgery, has that surgery postponed until uh, early to mid-June, and we were hoping it would be sooner, but unfortunately it is not, so we just want to pray for her as well. We continue to lift up uh, Kevin McLaughlin and Tennyson Doan and those that are struggling with um, health concerns, uh, Heather Arrows, Robert Graham, Joe Wood. Uh, we thank you for your continued prayers for Bethany. She actually has an MRI tomorrow that we just want to be in prayer for. And uh, So many requests, but we are so thankful that God is not bothered by us coming to him. He longs for us. He desires us. He wants us to present our requests to him and make them known. So um, let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you that you care about every situation. Father, we thank you that you know when we would be born and when we would die. Father, you know the situations we are facing and what we're going through, what you desire for us to learn, and the hardships that we're going to have to endure. Father, we thank you for the Christians that you bring into our lives and the Christians you desire to bring into our life and those that you want us to share your good news with. Father, help us to be realistic but confident that you, God, are in control, that you wipe away our tears, that tears is a language you understand. Father, for those in need, just be their strength. Be the lifter of their head. Be the joy of their salvation. And may we always remember to present you well and to share your love with others. And Jesus, we thank you. You know all the needs, and we bring those to you. Remind us often how we can pray for one another, how we can care for each other, how we can display your truth in practical ways where people love you and know you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Let it be done. Let it be done. Well, amen, and thank you so much for your continued giving through tithes and offerings, for your commitment to join, whether it's online or in person, for being involved in a life group, for sharing in a ministry project, for helping us be the church, the hands and feet of Jesus, to uh, live differently, to love effectively, and to really declare who Jesus is. So thank you. Um, Whether giving online, the Be Generous tab at hopefulvermont.org. Just click the Be Generous tab. You'll go to local tie there uh, in person at the chapel or uh, at Crescent Brook Middle School, the chapel campus address is 5793-5793, Waterbury-Still Road, Waterbury Center, Vermont, 05677. So we do thank you for uh, your giving in tithes and offerings, we look forward to Life Group Wednesday, Chapter 10. Chapter 10, The Way of the Dragon or The Way of the Lamb. I thought we would be uh, complete last week, but it's a longer chapter, and it was a great discussion. So Chapter 10, if you'd like to join in for The Way of the Dragon, The Way of the 
uh, Liam this Wednesday at seven o'clock in person or via Zoom. So a few weeks ago, we began with Revelation 3, 15 and 16 that said, I know all the things you do. I know that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I will spit you out of my mouth because you are not useful. You are not being used of God. You are not being used by God. How are we being used of God? How are we being used by God? Are we? Hopefully we are. I trust that we are. I know that we are in many different instances. It was awesome to be able to fill teachers and staff at Crossbrook Middle Schools, their vehicle with windshield washer fluid. I believe we put it in the right spot. And it was awesome to have a few people helping us in probably eight or nine gallons of washer fluid we went through with 18 to 20 vehicles. And just seeing those in the school being so thankful and grateful that the church would not just invite them to attend or to be a part, but that they would just show God's love in a practical way. They would help them in an everyday necessity. And I just thought that was awesome to have those involved. And I hope it's a reflection on us being used of, being used by God, by being useful. And this is what we were reminded in Luke 14, 34 and 35, salt is good for seasoning, but if salt loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is to be thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Be useful. We are called the salt of the earth because of Jesus. We are useful. Salt is good for flavoring. It's good for preserving. Is good for healing. We are to be useful. God uses us in many different ways to be helpful. And then from Luke 14, we went to Luke 15, where it said, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I am not Jesus. I'm not claiming to be Jesus. I would never want to say that I am Jesus. However, as a pastor, as a Christian, we have a responsibility to reflect who Jesus is. What if our churches, local churches, buildings, gatherings, assemblies were filled with those that wanted to hear about Jesus teaching? and they were filled by tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I do say, and for those that are listening or watching online that are kind of questioning tax collectors, why do they get pointed out? Tax collectors? Is this the IRS tax collectors? Well, it's to understand the context and the content in which scripture was written. And tax collectors were those that were dishonest, were those that were greedy, were those that would lie and cheat and steal literally out of your pocket, your grandfather's pocket, whoever they could, they would steal so that they could be rich and give to whoever they were working for their cut, but then they could take in the extra. They were notorious sinners, but notorious sinners went to Jesus. What if notorious sinners came to church? How would we receive them? Well, I believe, as I mentioned last week, we need to pray so God can prepare us. We need to pray that we can see the opportunities God gives us and that we can pray that we will make the most of every opportunity. Pray that we will make the most of every opportunity because in Ephesians it says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
Luke 15, as you've heard before, this is three parables, three stories that teach a very poignant lesson of God's love for us, that of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and we're talking about the lost son, the prodigal son. All of these were found, the one sheep that the shepherd left, the 99, and then through a party, the lost coin where the woman searched and searched until she found it. It represented her identity, her dowry, her uh, completeness. Jesus searched and would have us search for the lost. But this is difficult. It is not easy. This is not something you can muster up enough strength with your own fortitude. That's why Romans 8, 26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So it is correct. It is right. It is wise to say, I cannot save that lost sheep. I cannot find that lost coin without the presence of God, without the power of the Holy Spirit, without the purity of who Jesus is. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit Spirit, uh, prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Sometimes we know certain people. Other times we don't know how they could ever come to know Jesus. We have a friend who uh, works in law enforcement, and he has often said there is no hope for some people because you look at their demographics, you look at their family history, you look at what's taking place in their life. There is no hope for them, and in all reality, without the Holy Spirit helping them, helping us, there is no hope. But thanks be to God, we do have his hope. We do have his help. We do have his uh, understanding that interprets the groaning. We know who we want to pray for, but we don't know how they could ever come to know Jesus. And the Father who knows all, and the Father who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. We pray that they would know Jesus. We pray that they would understand God's truth. We pray that we would grow up and become mature and wise in who Jesus is and what he calls us to. Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This is how we pray. This is how we look for the lost sheep, for the lost coin, for the lost son. This is how we do it with groanings at Jesus. I don't know how. It seems like their destiny is their demographic. It is based on their family history. It is based on that addiction. It is based on what they've gotten themselves into. But we can pray and say, oh God, Let your Holy Spirit break the chains that bind, that keep them away from you. May they know your freedom, not the power of addiction, but know the power of the victory we have in you. Victory in Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us to illustrate the point further. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Jesus told these religious leaders that were upset the notorious sinners were coming to meet with Jesus. That Jesus was often found not fasting and praying at times. He got away. Yes, Jesus understood the importance of solitude. Solitude is greater than isolation. Jesus knew he had to get away often to be with his father because his 
his will was to do the will of the Father, which was to seek and save the lost. And to do that, he knew that he needed the power of God to do it in and through him because he was deity, but he was also completely man. So he's telling these religious leaders, he's saying this in front of the notorious sinners that are with him. A man had two sons. And this story is so familiar to us that I trust we can press in and read the Bible with five senses and engage in what this story is saying to us once again, because I believe the Bible can be read over and over and God can share new light, new insight, new direction, new conviction for us. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. What he was saying in this understanding of what this younger son was saying in this parable in the story. He's saying, Dad, you're dead to me. Dad, there's nothing I can learn from you. There's nothing I want from you. All I want is what I get now, my fair share. I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. The father agreed to do it. The father agrees with what the request was. God will give us our request many times. So pause before you ask and know that Jesus answers our prayers in ways that he sees best. Dad, you're dead to me is what this son is saying. Dad, there's nothing more that I want. Any more money you make, any more land you acquire, any more that you get, I don't care. I want what is coming to me now. We need to read the Bible with all five senses and relate to each character. Really read the Bible to change, not to finish. Who do you see yourself in this story? Many of us who grew up in church or those that haven't have heard the story of the prodigal son, have heard the story of the younger son that was selfish, that was proud, the desired. We understand the older brother. We understand the father. But who is Jesus talking to? Who is he equating this to? This uh, younger son, this is not the religious leaders. This younger son is the notorious sinners. The father is God. And, well, the older brother is the religious leaders. Read the Bible to change, not to finish, relate to all the characters and see what God is trying to say to you. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And then he wasted all of his money in wild living. He wasted all of his money and wild living. Maybe you can relate to this. Maybe you understand like you can always make more money, but you can never generate more time. You can always make more money, but you can never generate more time, which is true. Maybe he thought, I'm going to live in this crazy lifestyle until my money runs out, then I'm going to get a job. I have a backup plan. I can have this figured out. I know what is right. I've read the stock market. I've seen the list. I understand the news cost uh, demand, whatever it is. I can't think right now. But you just think about, he had all this plan, so he thought he could live wildly. He thought he could carouse and use all this money and that everything would be fine. But 
About this time, his money ran out, and a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He did not account for life happening. He thought he had life figured out. He thought that he had things. Uh, the world was his oyster. He thought that he would be okay. So he persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him out into the fields to feed the pigs. He was sent out to feed the pigs. This is why Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. This was not what the younger son had anticipated. He was not looking and forecasting and seeing a famine to happen. He was thinking, I have all of this wealth. I have my identity. I wrote off my family so I could be my own man. I wanted to become my own person person. I wanted to live this indulgent life. And after the money was gone, if he thought this, he thought, well, I can always make more. I can always make more money, but I can never generate more time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. We go back to Luke 15, verse 16. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. He was feeding the pigs. It's been said before, probably at nauseum for us that grew up in the church, that this was unheard of. This is not what you wanted to do. This was the worst thing that was imaginable, was to be feeding the pigs. They did not associate with pigs. This would have even offended the notorious sinners and the tax collectors that it talks about in Luke 15, 1. Those that often came to hear Jesus teach, they would have been said, are you talking about me feeding pigs? This is the notorious sinners and the tax collectors. Jesus even offended him, them because conviction cuts to the core and it does not matter. That is why. You could be best friends or great friends with a non-Christian, a non-believer, a non-follower of Jesus. And there will be things that God uses you to do that brings conviction to their soul. Not because it's you being mean. Not because it's you, hopefully not because it's you being mean or grinding an axe or whatever that expression is. But it's because you are simply living the life and God is saying, I'm going to convict them. That's like feeding pigs. You didn't think your sin was so bad. You were kind of justifying your actions. You were saying that God loves me no matter what. That Jesus' teaching has always been for me. But now he says that I'm feeding pigs, the notorious sinners, and the tax collectors. They knew that this was not right. This knew this was inappropriate. They were even offended that this younger son was feeding pigs. This younger son found himself proud, alone, and starving because he thought what he wanted was best. Because he got what he asked for, and what he asked for led him to be alone and starving. Many of us have felt alone. Some of us are spiritually starving. 
We think we could get that fill up at church on Sunday or we can listen to a sermon throughout the week or we can not gather together as believers and be encouraged by the body of Christ that we don't understand the family of God is for us to help us, to hold us accountable. So in our vulnerability, we can be convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit lived out, lived in other believers. We need to understand that God is calling us to something more because if we do not, we simply are living out Judges 21, 25. In those days, Israel had no king. We have no one that we're submitting to. We have no one that we're following. You have no one that is lording it over us. Jesus, our Savior and Lord. In those days, all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. This could be said about many of those that profess to be Christians. Many that live today that we are just doing what is right in our own eyes. And this is contrary to what Scripture is telling us. When he finally came to his senses, when he finally came to his senses, I love that expression. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. When he came to his senses. I will go home to my father and say, I have sinned against you in heaven. He had it all planned out. He knew what his apology was going to say. And then he would say, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Oh, he came to a census. He developed a plan. He thought as he was feeding the pigs, as his stomach was growling, as he had those hunger pains, as he was just so upset as being hungry can make you hangry, but it can also, as fasting, give you clarity of mind. First Peter says these words, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. This is for Christians and non-Christians. This does not mean non-Christians, non-followers of Jesus, non-Bible believers have the same uh, reward. But they do have the same opportunity because God has created them, has created us for great purpose. For you are not like that. Stop living like the prodigal, for you are a chosen people. God chose you to be saved. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. He called you out of that way. Once you had no identity as a people, Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. Won't you receive God's mercy if you are away in a distant land, squandering your money, squandering your talents that he has given you, squandering all that Jesus is? So he returned home to his father. What a great sentence. So he returned home. To his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. He did not wait for his son to get off the plane and walk the concourse and get into the car, but he met him. As soon as he saw him, he met his son with a great embrace. When his son returned home, his father met him. 
And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. The son went into saying, I can fix this. I will make this right. I can come in and I can ask. I can do it. But his father said, To the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. The father said to the servants, quick, get my robe. His robe was the finest in his house. Get my. Because when the son left, the son was saying, Dad, you're dead to me and this family's dead to me and I'm my own person. I I don't need the family of God. I don't need the body of Christ. I don't need this local church. I don't need to identify with this family. But, and the father said to him, this is mine and you are restored. Kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. The father said we must celebrate because my son has come home. Man, what a great story. But put yourself in the story. Well, they're back now, but you know their addiction. Well, they're back now, but they've come home several times. Well, they're back now, but, you know, don't get too excited. Well, they're back now, but, you know, we have another cow that we're getting ready for the next time they come home. Or do they celebrate with a feast? For the son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. I love the New Living Translation. So the party began. They were so excited that the son came home, that the family was complete, that God's creation had returned to him, that we would say that the notorious sinner, that those that have stabbed us in the back, that those are full of pride, that we have received the forgiveness of Jesus. So God has received us back with open arms, that he's embraced us, that his arms of love wrap around us, that they help us, that they lift us up, that the party can begin because we have returned to Jesus. Meanwhile, meanwhile, it's like in a great story or a movie that you have the climax, the excitement, but then you have, meanwhile, the older son, the religious leaders, the proud saints. The older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard the music and dancing in the house, and he asked, what was going on? Your brother is back. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The servant was probably so excited that we get to celebrate. And aren't you glad that your brother is home? Aren't you excited that he has returned? Aren't you excited that your family is full? Or do you look, oh, why are they at church today? Oh, I'm glad they're here because they need Jesus. We better, I better see them at the altar. I hope they raise their hand at the end of this service. Oh, they need God. Oh, I just pray that they get all of Jesus they need. Or do they, do we say, oh, Jesus, thank you for saving me. And may they know your freedom as well. 
They were celebrating the safe return of the son. But meanwhile, the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. Meanwhile, the older brother was saying, oh, if they're here, I'm not going in. You know, it's, it's not just their personality. It's what they've done. God, they betrayed you. They turned their back on the family. They were disloyal. They were rude. They were sinning. Meanwhile, don't, don't they understand Romans 6.23? Don't they realize for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't they realize that they need to repent? Don't they realize that they need to confess their sins? Don't they realize they need to change their ways? Don't they realize that Jesus said, go and sin no more? Don't they realize? The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And in all that time, you never gave even a young goat for a feast with my friends. Don't you realize I volunteered? Don't you realize I've set up chairs? Don't you realize I've played the piano? Don't you realize I've been on the Sunday school board for years and years? Don't you realize all these things I've done? And you're celebrating somebody that stabbed us in the back, that spoke poorly about us, that brought down our reputation? Don't you realize what they've done? Yet, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? Dad, come on. I know he's your boy. I know he's your creation. I know that you love him, but come on, some common sense. Aren't you going overboard? He's wearing your robe, for goodness sake. He's wearing your ring. Come on. That, that, really, that's supposed to be mine. You already gave him half of his stuff. That, that's mine that he's wearing. He squandered it, and, you, and you're throwing him a party. His father said to the older son, Look, you have always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate this happy day. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He has lost, but now he has found. Don't you realize we have to celebrate? We have to celebrate that he has returned. We have to celebrate that Jesus died, that people would come to know him, even those that have stabbed us in the back, even those that have been disloyal, even those that have left us, even those that have spoken poorly or lied about us, even those that have been proud, even those that are alone, even those that are starving, even those that we would say, oh, send them to a different church or won't they be found in another place even those God is saying we need to throw them a party even those with that checkered past even those that we all know their sin even those we need to celebrate because they have come back to Jesus they have come back to their creator those are the ones that Jesus died for even those 
He was lost, but now he is found. Even those, let us celebrate, let us intercede for, let us pray for. And we don't, when we don't know how to pray, trust that the Holy Spirit is at work. Trust the Holy Spirit can understand the groanings. Trust the Holy Spirit can communicate to another Christian how to interact, how to approach, how to show his love in practical ways that would draw them, that would woo them back to their creator, that they would confess and they would repent. And though that they would have something planned to say, Jesus, forgive me, God, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That Just that simple admission, God would say, that's all you need is to come home and know that I have forgiven your sins, that I have loved you. Am I saying you don't have to confess your sins? No, we have to, according to the Bible, but I'm saying as a fellow believer, we don't have to tell someone, you need to confess your sins now or Jesus won't receive you we have to say that jesus will receive you wherever you are come to jesus understanding that it's his love that brings conviction it's his love that brings life change it's his love that draws and woos and reveals the corruption of our own lives and how can we know his love and desire to keep living in that corruption and that destruction it's the Father that does that. Let us make his love known that the lost would be found and we would celebrate. And yes, as we prayed last week, I want us to pray even more so leading up to Easter Sunday. Oh, Jesus, please, God, let us be used. May your Holy Spirit be so strong. May your presence be felt and receive that those that need to come back to you, their creator, need to come back to you and make you Lord and Savior, need to come back to you and recognize and acknowledge that they have sinned, to come back to you and realize that you do not desire to give death, but you desire to give abundant life, that they might be free as we are free, and it's nothing that we did, nothing that we deserve, nothing that we earned, but simply because of your sacrifice, Jesus, we can have your hope. In these days of wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and disease and uncertainty and division, we can know, God, that you have saved us and you have created us for a purpose and we can live life with great meaning because we are yours. Oh, Jesus, let it be done. We confess and we acknowledge you and we thank you for your love and your embrace and your help. Thank you, Father. Thank you for receiving us with open arms and running to us. Let us not be proud, alone, or starving, but may we be filled and surrounded with your body and your truth. Thank you, Jesus. And if you are one of those that just are watching or listening and somebody shared this with you and you don't feel like there's hope. You feel like your past is who you are, that your demographics, that your background is who you're always going to be. Jesus is waiting. Our God, our Father, our Creator is saying, man, I want to give you life. I want to give you my identity. I want to put my robe on you. I want to give you my ring. I want us to throw a party because you have returned. And if you just type in the comments, Send me a text message, email, share with somebody else and say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I want to be made alive and have the purpose and hope that 
I believe, I hope, I trust, I want so bad. And just acknowledge him and confess and he will be your savior and you will know his love and his hope and his peace and his joy that you no longer have to be hungry and starving and desire to feed the pigs and eat what they're eating, but you can have the feast and eat together because you deserve it because you are his creation called to his purpose. So Jesus, we say, let it be done. Oh God, please let it be done.